0: morning, everybody. Sunday morning. It's LBC 97.3. It's March the 20th. It'll be one of those days that you remember, because if you've been listening to the radio or watching the television, the situation in Libya has escalated. And so at nine o'clock this morning, we'll have a special programme with Ian Payne, looking at the situation over there and hoping for, uh, for a quick end to it. At the moment, uh, all the papers are absolutely full of the, uh, the fighters that are there. The uh, cruise strike, which has hit Gaddafi, uh, except the people. We're going with the fact that in 2007, Tony Blair helped secure arms deals with Gaddafi worth 350 million. Four years on, and our forces are now going to battle against an army that we supplied. There'll be more on that a little bit later on. 112 cruise missiles are out there, the British subs helping to bomb 20 key sites. And the Daily Star, it's war and we'll uh, we'll keep you up to date. We'll love your thoughts on it as well, on 84850stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, Ollie will be in to look at the papers, and because the programme finishes a little bit earlier, we do have a how-low, surprisingly, this morning, which is uh, which is already set up. Uh, it'll run through till 10, but uh, for the last hour, you'll just have to try and remember to do it yourself, because I'll mention it up until 9 o'clock for you this morning. It's a Sony VAIO laptop. We always, if you're a new listener on uh, on a Sunday, try and have a how-low, something which is... Uh, which is going to help you. This one you better keep up to date with everything on. It's got 320 gigabytes of hard drive, built-in webcam, Wi-Fi connectivity. Person with the lowest unique bid will win. Lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. This hammer comes down this morning at 10am. It's a Steve Allen Quickie. To play this one, you text Steve, S-T-E-V-E, followed by your bid in pence and send it to Treble 821. So if you want to bid £1.18, you text Steve, 118, and send that to Treble Eight. Two one if you want to bid say uh, thirty nine pence you text steve st S-T-E-V, thirty nine just the numbers and send it to treble eight two one This competition finishes at ten a m this morning. It must be over 16. Entries are limited and cost £1.50, plus your standard network rate. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. So not only can you use it for watching DVDs, you can listen to music, you can listen to LBC on it, you can access the internet on the move, so it'll keep you up to date with everything that's taking place in Libya. And that's what the papers have all, have all dealt with this morning. We will not let, say, the uh, mail a dictator, murder his own people. But in which paper you seem to read, they've either walked in with the tanks into Benghazi and they've walked right back out again. Uh, what they're looking at in the mail today is this fearsome arsenal. Uh, and who sent the planes, you know, depending on whether they're coming from France or whether they're coming from uh, from us and some of the RAF bases. They're looking at the Falcons, the F-15 Eagle is out there, the Typhoon, the Tornadoes. And, and it's, to me, it's, it's almost like a repeat of... When the Falklands War started, the papers were absolutely chock-a-block with everything. There was so much information coming out. This time, there's even more information, and the whole thing has only just started. Because at 10.30 yesterday, the city seemed lost to the rebels as 12 Gaddafi tanks patrolled the streets. By 12.00 noon, the forces had inexplicably lost the will to fight and started to pull back out again. They've got a man here, a a Gaddafi soldier, who's quoted in the papers, and he's telling a a lot of journalists, we were told our job was to wipe out women... And children. And he said that Gaddafi has personally ordered his troops to massacre the people, uh, to leave the town crushed, but then the oil installations intact, and then to move on to Benghazi, which is the rebel stronghold in the east. For the first time, the papers have said it it was actually possible to hear how Gaddafi's troops were brainwashed in preparation for war. And depending on who you believe... And you, the only person you can believe is the people who are out there on the front line and the newspaper reporters and the journalists and everybody else out there. Because there are certain people, the, the supporters of Colonel Gaddafi, you would never believe that there was anything going on. They totally believe that this is all just made up. And, uh, and as the papers have said today, it's, it's quite clearly brainwashing, but on a huge, huge scale. Uh, the people say that Colonel Gaddafi will shoot British troops, but it will be with... Our Weapons. There are other stories in the papers. To be honest with you, most of them kind of pale into insignificance. It seems a bit daft, really, to start talking about what else is going on in the papers when you've got this as a main story, and for the first time ever, they all seem to be united. The French warplanes leading the attack, of course, on uh, Gaddafi. And uh, it's, uh, it's hopefully going to be over fairly quickly, but we've got this programme this morning which will run at 9 o'clock with Ian Payne, and uh, we'll talk to some key people in on the action, some people out there as well, and then you can, uh, you can have your say as well. The first strike, I think, came hours after Western and Arab leaders met in Paris and agreed with immediate action to protect the, uh, the rebels. The Allies were spurned on by dramatic TV pictures of a Libyan warplane crashing onto the rebel stronghold of Benghazi as the troops bombarded the city, uh, proving his ceasefire was a sham. David Cameron has said, Colonel Gaddafi has broken his word. The time for action has come now. So all the papers are leading with this today. There are other stories in there. Although, as I say, they do pay a little bit. There's, there's a, a woman freedom fighter here, firing for... Ju- where they get these guns from? I've got no... Oh, us, I've just realised. Couldn't work out where they got all the guns from. And uh, and it's us. And the, the shocking images of the blazing fighter, which was uh, shot down, spiralled out of control. Uh, these were beamed around the world, which I suppose symbolised the plight of a country in free fall. The world leaders have gathered in Paris. They watched the footage grim-faced before voting unanimously to join forces to rescue... Libya's stricken people from their murderous tyrant. All too often we have these uh, stories. Last night, I think, reports that the rebels may have downed their own plane, although the pilot had parachuted to safety. Ultimately, I suppose it doesn't really matter, does it? Gaddafi's flagrant refusal to maintain his own promised ceasefire, has finally sealed his fate. So we'll come back to that a little bit later on. Some of the other stories in the papers. God, dear, as if there was any other story. I suppose the the Dancing on Ice programme gets people going, and they were talking about that last night, because now it turns out that Karen Barber's ex-husband, he's not at all pleased with the way things are going, because he did confront uh, Christopher Dean over whether or not he was having an affair with his wife. And Christopher Dean swore blind that he wasn't. And so then he discovers in the papers, when he opens it up, that, in fact, Christopher Dean is having an affair with Karen Barber. And uh, this is Karen Barber, who, uh, who doesn't really actually do anything on the programme, just sits there wearing frocks. And uh, apparently the husband's in absolute pieces absolutely in pieces. He just, he cannot believe it. And with his uh, daughters, they have to sit there and watch this played out every week on the television, because it turns out that Karen Barber's husband is also uh, a man who trains skaters. And he said it's just not very pleasant to watch this sort of... I don't know, you know, you can't explain who you fall in love with or anything else, but we do watch these programmes and we we do end up, because all these people sell their stories to the papers, ultimately... Uh, Kerry Katona again makes the papers. Strange enough, some of them have said, oh, she's looking fantastic. Well, not in all the pictures that I'm looking at. Although you'll see pictures in OK! magazine this week uh, which purport to show a new Kerry Katona. No, I don't think so. The uh, the new Kerry Katona is a lot heavier than the one who started dancing on ice a short while ago. But she's dating a man with a background that will shock you. He apparently is single, rich, tall, handsome, no ex-wife or kids, and he doesn't take drugs. Fantastic. A property developer called Dan Foden. Although I'm quite sure, actually, there'll be a story somewhere. I find it physically impossible that Kerry Katona could ever meet anybody and there wouldn't be a story there. There has to be. I'm looking at a picture of him. There has to be a story. He lives in a £750,000 house. And he's only, what, I don't know, 20-something. You're all right? <laughs> I nice know people have coughing fits their and they're uh, wondering. But I'm looking at a picture of him. He doesn't look like somebody who's got... Uh, you know, a house like that. I don't know why. You know, you can look at some people and uh, it, there's just something that's not quite right here, I'm afraid. Not quite right. But anyway, I'm sure it's interesting. It's so funny because they were saying the other day, what they saying? I think Vanessa Feltz uh, is saying that she's going to have an OK wedding. Although, first of all, she told you she was saving up for it. Uh, and then next thing, she's actually doing you know, an OK wedding, because they pay for it. She said, people who criticise us for taking the money are those people who've never been asked. Well, this will be the second time of asking. And uh, I'm sure that they'll find enough material in the country to actually cover her and make her look uh, somewhat attractive, which is good. Uh, nothing new about British arms, uh, Steve. We fought our own weapons in the Falklands. The Argentinians were using self-loading rifles, as we were. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Because he's going to run this one throughout the uh, throughout the day. So I'd love your thoughts on it, what you think, and whether or not you're one of those people who follows the news stories. And if there's something going on, you sort of watch it and you think, I don't know, what will happen here? Will it escalate? Uh, and the answer is, it has, and it's happened fairly quickly. We have retaliated very, very quickly. Other stories in the paper today. It's Ashley Cole having another date. Uh, this is with this uh, peculiar woman called Casey Paul. Casey Paul Glamour Model. And she's in all the papers again today. She's got one of those silly little names. It can only be a glamour model. She couldn't actually be anything else apart from that. Uh, Baywatch legend David Hasselhoff has confessed that uh, he never went out or did anything with Pamela Anderson. That's good news for her, I suppose. Especially you don't want the Hoff falling on, you do. Carol Malone is talking about the dress that Kate Middleton had, which went for £78,000. I couldn't believe it went for that price anyway. Just that huge amount of money... Huge amount of money. And uh, Midsummer Madness says, Carol, I asked a friend who's black if she was upset that Midsummer Murders didn't feature black or Asian people. She looked at me like I'd lost the plot. I honestly don't give a stuff, she says. Anyway, I've been to villages like the ones in Midsummer Murders and there aren't any blacks or Asian people, so why would a TV show pretend there were? I got an email from a guy the other day and he said he was in Midsummer Murders and he played a black American G.I., And he's going to send me some pictures. Because everybody's saying nobody featured. And I think they've had over the years, over a 14-year run, something like 22,000 extras in the programme. So by the law of averages, there has to be at least a few uh, black actors and they're all actresses. And he said he was in it. So uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing the pictures. And then finally, we can sort of stop all this malarkey about, you know, it is only a TV programme. I mean, I said originally it was racist. I always said Midsummer Murders was racist, racist because all they're killing are white people. Every week, there's another poor white person gets killed in there, and it's just not good enough. It's got to change, but it's just, it's pretend. It's pretend. Quarter past seven is the time. Double <laughs> check on the roads with Craig Burchill.
1: Thank you, Steve. Good morning, and we'll start next to short...
0: Morning, everybody. Don't forget, 9 o'clock this morning, we've got a special programme uh, with Ian Payne looking at the situation in Libya. So that'll be uh, from 9 o'clock on 97.3 this morning. Uh, I had to say well done to all the people from Comic Relief because they did raise an awful lot of money. And uh, the one thing that we've proved in this country is we are particularly good at giving money to charity. I think something like £74 million, pounds, which was an all-time record. The best um, sketch was, I think, Smithy which was very good. And, in fact, it was even funnier when George Michael was in there because it could have been Smithy and Spliffy. And they both could have sort of sat there and they did the whole business. And it was just nice to see lots of celebrities doing something that they're, they're quite good at, which is helping people get parted from their money. So that was very, very good. I mean, there were a few bits where it, it did drag, but that's the same with most of the... And in America, the telethons go on forever and ever. But they raise huge amounts of money for charity. Although, as a friend of mine pointed out, and I think, actually, it was it was highlighted by, I think, uh, Ricky Gervais. He said, it's just like a bottomless pit. We raise millions of pounds every year, and the situation is exactly the same as it was last year. And the year before, it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. And I think you could shove all the money in the world at it, and it wouldn't make any difference because it's just one of those problems. There's always going to be corruption. I think after Live Aid, you know, people are saying, well, how much money actually got through? And the answer is, a load did get through, but there was a load that just disappeared, trucks were hijacked, and food never made it through. And that's why it's such a big problem, because whatever you've got, it's a million times more than what they've got. But then they've always been like that. They've never actually known. I remember during Live Aid getting particularly annoyed that just down the road from one of the the huge camps where, where people were dying, people were whooping it up and going in and out of restaurants. Nobody was nobody was aware of anything going on down the road, apart from us in this country. Um, genuine concern as Anton and Dec ran around. They came in here. They came to uh, to jump on Nick Ferrari, and then they went on to Classic and they did everything else, which was which was very, very good indeed. And can we send a little memo to this morning? It's always nice to see uh, uh, Eamon Holmes on there. But read really the current promo trailers... Was actually using footage of Eamon saying to lose 15 stone is absolutely incredible meant to be a cruel joke or something? I mean, the man's getting fatter by the day. It's really embarrassing. Really, really embarrassing. Um, Also, Lily Allen, who was begging her fans not to watch from riches to rags. This is a new documentary where Lily uh, pop singer Allen decided she wanted to open a clothes shop. Unfortunately, she had neither experience nor the intellect to do it. And the moment people started criticising the clothes, she uh, burst into tears and left the room. I just saw it as a whole free advert for another naff clothes shop, where you don't buy the clothes, you rent them. So in other words, you go in there, and because you're poor, you have to rent them. Although the rental costs were way out, so they, they assembled this panel of ladies, who were quite wonderful. And they said, right, here is this dress here. How much would you pay for that for three days? And they all look at it and they go, it's very nice, probably about £120? No, £397. And they went, oh no, we wouldn't pay that. And at that moment, Lily threw one of these almighty little queenie fits, because a lot of people throw queenie fits if they don't have much talent. They just sort of get a bit over and above themselves, even though she had all the best advice in the world. And it it was rather a, a strange thing, but I do agree with her, don't ever watch it again. It is the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen on the television. It's it's not quite as bad as Peach's Geldof's programme, but it ain't far off it, I'm afraid. Uh, other stories in the paper today. Um, we had, um, oh, Loose Women have uh, taken on Janet Street Porter. Big favourite, of course, among the uh, the older generation. Uh, Janet, who doesn't wear her big trademark glasses now, but Porter oh, 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 is uh, most entertaining, but doesn't mix with anybody. Apparently, she, she was asked on the programme, you know, why she didn't talk to people. And she said, well, I just don't do that. She doesn't do that kind of sort of false bon bonhomie, you know, hello, how are you, which people do all the time, especially in uh, in show business. And it's a, it's a great shame, I'm afraid. Uh, other other stories here. He said, I'm a little bit puzzled. This is Ian Highland. By Richard and Judy announcing they've decided not to host any more TV shows together. He says, I mean, I wasn't aware that it was still a decision which needed taking, least of all by them. Although we do love, actually, as we actually get Dancing on Ice, this is the, uh, the programme... That uh, they've trooped out Jade Goody's ex, a bit part EastEnders reject, an unknown kids presenter, Richard and Judy's daughter and a bewildered war hero. It's not to say there was no fun to be had, it has to be said. I do like Holly Willoughby, I've warmed to Holly Willoughby. I quite like her a lot, actually. But um, strangely enough, Christopher Dean continued his bizarre leaning back routine each time Pip Schofield asked him a question worth watching, actually. Every time he does it, you'll, you'll notice Christopher Dean, who I've come to the conclusion, actually, because he's going out with Karen, she looks as though she wears the trousers. He looks as though maybe he wouldn't be wearing the uh, trousers. Also, Clarkson's motor has topped the list of unreliable cars. The least reliable cars, just in case your one features the BMW 7 Series at number five, a Mercedes-Benz S-Class, a Renault Espace, a Land Rover, Range Rover, and another Mercedes-Benz at the top with a list price of 63000 The most reliable cars... Number five is the Renault Clio, the Volkswagen Polo, the Peugeot 206, the Fiat Panda and the Peugeot 207. I think, actually, I had a Peugeot 207. Or was it a 507? I can't remember what I had, but it was a Peugeot. I quite liked it. I didn't think there was anything in it, to be honest with you. I mean, I really didn't. And uh, the only way is Essex gets back again. And uh, Mark Wright and his on-off girlfriend Lauren, deluded Lauren, of course, uh, apparently have announced that they were getting married this will just be done to rake some money in from a magazine. Because it worked for Preston and it worked for Chantelle, So they might as well go for it. Poor old Lauren struggles on with her non-existent career. The bad news is she's decided not to leave the country. She only told us a short while ago that she was leaving the country. But now she's decided to stay. Bad news all round for everybody, I'm afraid. Uh, the UK begins to starve, say the Sunday Express. This is after uh, it was revealed that food parcels were actually being delivered to families in Devon. Food parcels, which... Uh, people are saying, this is quite ludicrous. How, you know, how is it that we've got into this situation? And they say, well, we're certainly not alone because of government cutbacks, because of rising unemployment, soaring food prices. Uh, it's now forced a growing number of families to miss meals, eat badly or go hungry. The trouble is, it's false economy. As has been demonstrated thousands of times on the television, if they want to make a cheap programme, they'll get somebody like Jamie Oliver... And Jamie Oliver will show you how to feed a family of four for a fiver a week or something like that. And then still people go out there and still people have to eat bad food, bad quality food. And the, the cheaper the food is, the worse the quality. So when you go to some of these little chicken shops or kebab type shops setting up, they're selling cheap food. As I've said before, anywhere that can do three wings, portion of chips and a soft drink and it's one ninety seven, you know you ain't going to be getting the best quality food. So you have to be, uh, you have to be very careful. Prince Harry out on the town again. Just spent a lot of time out in the town, and um, he did smile for the cameras as he left a private members' club in Mayfair. Although it turns out that his officers with him carry tasers. Interesting enough, there's pictures in the uh, in the papers today. Also, how freeloaders will be first past the post. The scandal of the Olympics tickets. The Olympic tickets being. Denied to taxpayers. Seems to be dishing them out to all the, uh, all the wrong people, I'm afraid. Uh, and the War of Words looms, and this is over the Madeline McCann books, because former Portuguese police chief uh, Goncalo Amaral is set for a new legal battle with Kate and Jerry McCann. This is after writing a second book about their missing daughter, Madeline. His book will be published in Portugal shortly before Kate McCann publishes her fundraising book called Madeline. And now, I don't see any end in sight for this story, tragic though it is. Uh, it couldn't come at a worse time for Kate. She's hoping someone who reads her book will come forward with information about the person who took her daughter. It will never happen. You know, it would have to be the biggest miracle in the world if this ever happened. She could be walking around Leicester Square and I wouldn't have the faintest idea what she would look like now. Um, they've had millions into the, uh, into the fighting fund. And so far, nothing you know, empty promises, you know, somebody, some bizarre person who obviously likes the attention in the newspapers would say, oh, I saw this girl being taken away by this couple, she didn't look very happy, so the police then waste even more time, private detective Nobody can find this child, because nobody knows where she is. Unfortunately, the McCanns have to live with that, and so in an effort to prop up the, uh, the fund, which has now dwindled to a, a dreadful situation, they've had to bring out another book. I mean, it is, it's absolutely tragic for them. But at the same time, there are those people who would say, well, of course, had they not left the children that night, none of this would have happened. The trouble is, the truth of the matter is, they did, and they've got to live with it, and that's the big problem for them. So it's a great shame, actually. Uh, will Anton Deck Dex split? The answer is no. They say here after 20 years they're ready to go it alone. I don't think it would work. And if it did, which one would be more successful? You remember Morecambe and Wise years ago? actually decided at the end that they were sort of going to start trying to do things. And I think uh, Ernie Wise appeared at the Savoy Theatre. Eric was doing his one-man show. Uh, because socially, they didn't really see each other. A lot, of, a lot of double acts don't see each other. They just come together for doing the show, and then that's it. Whether or not after 20 years, because they're now just about to do, I think, the sixth series of Britain's Got Talent, I begin to wonder, actually, whether or not, you know, they are together forever. And I think they are together the Salvation Army are appealing for money for Japan. It makes me think it was the third richest nation in the world. LBC 97.3 Morning, everybody. It's LBC 97.3. I'm Steve Allen. It's Sunday breakfast. Slightly unusual today in so much as it finishes at 9 o'clock. And then Ian Payne will be in. We've got a special programme uh, starting at 9 this morning on Libya. So just in case you've just woken up. We do have a How Low competition, which is running. Runs through till 10, this one. And it's for the Sony Vio Laptop. So if you are looking to get yourself a new laptop, now might be the time to get it for absolute pennies. This is a Steve Allen special. It uh, finishes, as I say, at 10 o'clock this morning. The hammer will come down then. Very stylish. 320 gigabytes of hard drive. Built-in webcam. Uh, connect to the Wi-Fi. You can do everything. Watch DVDs, listen to music and access the internet on the move. Great for the kids if you've got it in the back of the car or if you're looking for a present to buy somebody. This could be it. The person with the lowest unique bid will win lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. So, what do you have to do? You have to text Steve, S-T-E-V-E, and then what you think is the amount of money it's going to go for. So if you think it's going to go for £2.12, you text Steve, S-T-E-V-E, 212 for £2.12, and send that to eight two one. If you want to bid £1. it's Steve, £1.34, it's Steve134, and send it to eight two one. Now, the computer will help you. If you have a unique bid, the computer will tell you that you have a unique bid and you hang on to it because it can change all the way through. And that we've got to look is because if somebody else gets the same bid as you, you cease to have uh, uh, a unique bid. So you're looking for that. This competition finishes at 10 a.m. this morning. You must be over 16. Entries are limited and cost £1.50 plus your standard network rate. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. Good friend of the programme, uh, him and the lovely Geraldine, Michael Winner, is finally being honoured for his body of work, uh, Oscars have so far eluded the director who once said, if you want art, don't mess with movies by a Picasso. And over the past few nights in Los Angeles, the 75-year-old filmmaker has turn, uh, turned food critic, and you know he's barred from so many places. <laughs> <laughs> they see Michael Winner coming and they practically put the shutters up. It's terrible, but he has been uh, over there for a BAFTA LA tribute. He said, I'm very touched by the welcome. and and have enjoyed every part of the trip, well, he said, except for my visits to the star-studded L.A. restaurants, which are mostly, and I'll just call them, rubbish, because he's very fussy when it comes to food. He said, I went to one in Beverly Hills the other day, and the hostess told me there'd be a 15-minute wait. I said, my dear, I am the most red restaurant critic in the world. There will be a one-minute wait and a nice bottle for me on your finest table. He said, there was too. Because he does, he does for, He doesn't mess around, as Michael. He's been in to, uh, to see us at uh, LBC, uh, and then I, I went round and dropped something off at his house. He's got the biggest house you've ever seen. It's an enormous house. It's got something like twenty-four bedrooms, phones all over the place. Uh, Lorraine says, "I'm black, and this Midsummer story makes me livid." Of course, there are plenty of English villages with no black people. What black people have actually complained? Nobody cares. I know. I think it's what they call the interferers. I think it's people who go, oh, wait a minute, what are we missing here? It's like sort of saying, I didn't see any dogs, or I didn't see any Mexicans, or there weren't any gays, or, you know, there weren't any, you know, have we had any lesbians in the village? You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. It gets to that stage where you can find fault with everything. Although, having said that, I did watch the other night, because I did buy it, because I had fond memories of it, the Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club. And some of the stuff that they were coming up with from Bernard Manning and Colin Crompton, you could not have on television nowadays. People would be complaining left, right and centre because it was an all-white programme. I mean, they had some groups on from America who might or might not have been men or women of colour. But uh, but some of the language on that even I said that went oh dear oh that was a little bit uh, a little bit near the knuckle. Uh, Ravi and Balam says Midsummer Murders is a refreshing change. As usual, we're blindly following the Americans by having the token black or Asian on every programme, which seems false. It's, I mean, it's patronising. It's patronising to say wait a minute we don't have any black people on it. You know perhaps that none of the storylines lent themselves. Because, to be honest, I think some people just see a problem where there isn't a problem. It certainly opened up a huge can of worms, didn't it? On the t- everybody was discussing, although, strangely enough, when Alan Titchmarsh was discussing it, they all agreed that they were all proud to be English, and it was an English village. And, it, you know, I, I thought it was set a long time ago. I didn't realise it was, it was present day. And, um, and they were saying, does it really make any difference? And I said, oh, I didn't think it did. And they didn't seem to think it did either and I was watching very carefully, just to see, and the audience were quite clearly in favour of, listen, stop making a problem where no problem exists. Rob says, when this mob got in, I had a bet with the wife that, like all the new governments before, we'll be in a new conflict somewhere. Well, we are, and it's Libya. And it's, uh, it's bomb Voyage, from the news of the world this morning, and, uh, from the Daily Star, it's war. It's Colonel Gaddafi. Uh, now the first shots have been fired to free the Libyan people, Although, how many people are going to die as a result of this? I have no idea. French warplanes have targeted the dictator's troops in a bid to stop him terrorising his own country. I can't quite work out what the support is for Gaddafi, but um, he's made this happen. The time for action has come. It needs to be urgent, and the world has taken the wing against the tyrant. Uh, America have sent American F-18 Super Hornet jets. Italy have offered seven Air and Navy bases already home to US, NATO and Italian forces to enforce the no-fly zone. France have got about 20 French planes involved, including the Mirage jets and the AWACS surveillance aircraft. The Charles de Gaulle aircraft carrier will leave for Libya today. Denmark, six Danish F-16 fighter jets landed at the US airbase in Sicily, and they're ready for operation in Libya by today. Spain have sent four F-18s, also a sub-naval frigate and surveillance planes to enforce the embargo. Canada have sent uh, some CF-18 Hornets, and Norway 6F-16, the AWAC surveillance aircraft, were at the uh, RAF base in Cyprus. They'll be monitoring the no-fly zone, and a team of Brits who are there to coordinate the movements of the British aircraft are there as well. So, it, it doesn't look particularly good for Colonel Gaddafi, but uh, I'm quite sure that with his last breath... I mean, has he not already said on television on numerous occasions that the only way they were taking him out will be in a body bag? I would think that that was probably uh, very accurate. Uh, more on the uh, papers today about um, dancing on ice and who's going to win. Is it going to be Johnson B. Harry, who can't dance for Toffee? Is it going to be Chloe, my parents have been on television but now aren't, thank goodness, Maidley? Sam, I had a very small part in EastEnders. And Laura, the children's presenter nobody's ever heard of. Although the good news is that she's, um, she's not going to be doing children's television anymore. But seeing as nobody knew her in the first place, it seems to make no difference at all. And former wild child Chloe Maidley, a rather stupid girl... If you ask me, says dancing on ice has turned her life around. You remember, we've seen her smoking cannabis. She's a convicted drunk driver, but now she hopes to educate young people on the trials and tribulations. She says, I mean, I wouldn't mind. She's only about five years old. Now she thinks she can start lecturing people. She says, I don't feel I had to apologise or make up for the cannabis. And uh, the drink driving, the thought of how much worse it could have been, freaks me out. Yes, we thought that too, Chloe. A rather stupid person, I'm afraid. You're only skating around on ice. It's not nothing particularly, uh, nothing big about it, unless, as I say, you're going to go and work for Disney. Uh, other stories in the papers. The uh, big fat gypsy wedding fight looms. Gypsy Johnny's plea to bitter rival Paddy. They've so got a picture of two strange boys wearing vests, and their father, all of whom look a little bit odd, and uh, Paddy then broke Gypsy Code. I mean, you've never heard anything so stupid in your entire life, I'm afraid. Uh, there's also a picture of the paper today about another, another benefit cheat. I get really angry. I was in Kingston the other day. And this woman gets out of a Mercedes car with her daughter, looks around, just to make sure nobody's there, and then gets a disabled sticker out, pops it in there, and off they go, arm in arm, to go and do their shopping. You know it drives me mad. It absolutely drives me mad. You, wish, you could wish that... Um, you know, there could be something that could be done about these people who cheat the system. It goes on all the time. Jeff Brazier is planning a special day with his sons to honour their mum, Jade Goody. Uh, apparently he was left to bring up Bobby, Jack and Freddie. Yeah, well, he's their father, so it kind of makes sense. He says, to honour her at Christmas, we wrote messages on a Chinese lantern and let them go. So that's quite nice. And uh, Jade, you know, spoke openly about a gruelling battle with cancer. The boys are growing up a bit now. So, uh, it's good. But uh, I thought he's always said he wasn't going to use them for anything. Unlike poor Jordan's children and Kerry Katona's children and Peter Andre, oh that's the same as Jordan, isn't it? Who they seem to put on television at every opportunity. Must be wondering, poor old, uh, I think, Kerry Katona's children, here's Mummy in the paper with somebody else. Doesn't help, does it? John Barrowman's out on tour. That'll do really well, actually. Really, really well. Very, very well indeed. And also Enrique Iglesias. Tomorrow morning, I'm interviewing for In Conversation... Don't ask me how it came about. Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's. <laughs> everybody I've mentioned it to, I know! Everybody I've mentioned it to said, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I said, I know! Are you sure he's coming in for the right person? We've never done anybody like that at all. Well, we've done Julie Andrews, but, you know, that's sort of. That's a different branch of it. So I've got a DVD to watch today of The Muscles from Brussels. And um, and he's coming in at <laughs> tomorrow morning at 8.30. <laughs> when I, when I, I said to Amanda, I said. Did we put in a bid for Jean-Claude Van Damme? She said, I don't remember. I thought, I don't remember either. I didn't think we did. I've, I've got a... You know, my memory's not that bad. I do I do remember most things. But anyway, he's coming in tomorrow morning. We'll probably talk about The Only Way Is Essex or stuff like that. Or, you know, has he ever been out with Kerry Katona? <laughs> Fill the programme with that way. Because Kerry Katona does make the paper today. Don't believe the picture on the front of OK magazine. And also the very strange story of... A girl who was on Big Brother, whose name I can't remember, was going out with John James, who is a rather peculiar Australian who doesn't seem to be doing anything. And then, if you read the front cover of OK, you would think that she's uh, that he's bullied her and she's had an abortion. No, this happened donkeys years ago. They're so desperate to trawl up stories that's the best that they can come up with. The bad news is that, uh, unfortunately. Um, They're both going to be presenting a programme on Channel 5, which Matthew Wright must be just wringing his hands at how dumbed down the channel has become. We always thought it would do that, because Richard Desmond likes cheap and cheerful. God knows with Vanessa Feltz's show, you get cheap and you don't get cheerful. And uh, and the other good news is that Jim Davidson was taking a show out on the road. It was a play, and as memory serves me, uh, it was a play about a racist comedian and his rehabilitation... Well, anyway, it's been cancelled due to lack of interest. You only got round to doing four shows and they weren't well uh, attended. So the rest of the tour has been cancelled. The truth of the matter is, and I remember years ago, we had a a situation. We used to advertise a place on LBC called Blazers in Windsor, which was a bit like Bob Potter's Lakeside. It was a, a place where you went to, and you got chicken and chips in the basket And they had, you know, names like him or Bernie Clifton or whoever it happened to be, Ken Goodwin, lovely Ken, and uh, all these other people. And they they had a a do where they they phoned us up at LBC and said, listen, would you like to come down? It's free uh, because Jim Davidson's doing a night. And to be honest, I was never really that much of a fan anyway. I thought he was a bit peculiar uh, because I'd heard dreadful stories. And so they said, would you like to come down because he'd owed us a night because he'd had to cancel something. So we came back. So the place was three quarters empty apart from a table of about 20 LBC people, who were sitting there and he was dreadful. It was terribly dated. He hadn't changed at all and, or learnt anything and it was just the same, you know, the same racial stereotypes. It, just, it was just tedious and dated. Whereas I've seen so many good comedians and he just wasn't one of the good ones, but it was free, free, free chicken and chips. So we went down for the free chicken and chips. But uh, they've cancelled his play now. I think he'd be quite a good interview. To be honest with you, because I think then you could, because he, he comes from a generation, I think he's been married something like eight times or so, eight different, because as opposed to going out with the women that he, he went out with, he decided to marry them. And so I'm sure he got married, he was either six or eight times, whatever it was, it was a lot of times. And, um, and then he just went through a very bitter, twisted and just not very popular phase with the British public. So now they've, they've repaid him by uh, not going to see his play. I mean, it might have been good. I don't know. We'll, we'll never find out. He's actually said that uh, the poor, poor ticket sales meant it wasn't viable. Ollie Mann will be doing the papers with us from 8 this morning. The programme finishes at 9 because we've got a special Libyan programme with Ian Payne at 9 o'clock this morning. Time now is quarter to 8. With the travel, it's Craig Burchill. Morning, Steve. In A building fire next to Shoreditch High... Sadly, Jet Harris died the other day. Jet Harris and uh, Tony Meehan had a, a record out called Diamonds, which many years ago I used as a theme tune on LBC. And I remember getting a letter from him saying, we're really pleased that you use Diamonds as a, as a theme tune. Used to be with, uh, of course, Cliff and the boys. So very sad. And in fact, Noreen is off to a, a solid silver 60s night tonight with Dave Berry. That's not our own Dave Berry from here. Chris Farlow, big hit single out of time. Vanity Fair, I Live for the Sun. The Mersey Beats sorrow i think wayne fontana my favorite pamela pamela and terry sylvester from the hollies the air that i breathe and anything else you can possibly think of steve even the do-gooders didn't notice the lack of black faces until the writer highlighted the point himself so i couldn't understand why 14 years down the line nobody said anything about midsummer murders nobody actually It never crossed anybody's mind Never crossed anybody's mind, but it doesn't really matter. It's like sort of you know seeing you know black people reading the news on television. Somebody said, "Well, we don't see many black people reading the news." Do you think? But do you have to? Does it have to be a quota of so many people? I don't know. Would it make any difference if I turned out to be black? I remember listening to a radio presenter years and years ago, and uh, and he was doing a black program, but he was white. And to be honest, listening to him, I, I had no idea. It was one of those strange things. Uh, Steve, *Midsummer Murders probably won't be around much longer anyway. Now John Let- Nettles has left. TV shows don't tend to last after the established main character or actor changes. Well, I think that will survive. I think it will survive. I think it's strong enough as a, as a programme. To be honest with you, I hold my hands up. I've never seen an episode. I've dipped in and dipped out again. It's not my, not my kind of thing. If I was going to watch a Miss Marple, I'd watch, you know, Jessica Fletcher in Murder, she wrote. Uh, Patsy says, please take a morning to our daughter Faye on her way from Heathrow to spend a few days with us in London. Baby Noah staying behind with Pierre. She listens to you on podcast in Sweden. There you go. She's quite nice. So thank you very much indeed uh, for that. I still remember, Sir Stephen Bridlington, Betty Davis being on Wogan and putting a cigarette in her mouth when Wogan told her smoking wasn't allowed because of fire regulations. She lit up with impunity. She, absolutely, she was having no, no messing around, I'm afraid, with anybody on that programme. Um, 84850. Uh, uh, this one from Henry, who could be Bob. Uh, you said, you'll see pictures of Kerry Katona in OK magazines. Some of us don't read those type of magazines. Well, you must have eyes, mustn't you? Because she's on the front cover. I mean, you can't miss it unless you're blind or something. He says, I often think to myself that mature people who buy those magazines just to read about what Jordan Andre Kerry did uh, must lead very empty lives. Funny how you know who they are, though. Bob, isn't it? Funny how you know who Andre and Kerry is. It's because you've probably bought the magazine, I suspect. Uh, Euro millions, nobody won on Friday. So in other words, I've now got to phone up the estate agent and say put the house back on the market because it's gone from 90 million, I think, to 117 million. Now, I think that might be a record. It shows how impossible it is to buy it because I thought I had practically every combination of tickets. It now means that if you were prepared to print off as they did in America... Do you remember in America where the the jackpot became so huge that they ended up printing their own tickets? They had every single combination. So they knew that they were going to win. So in other words, if you spent £75 million printing off every single combination and you were the only winner, you'd be quids in. The one thing that would be against you is if somebody else had the winning combination, because it's 75 million to one. So uh, now, uh, with this 117 million, everybody is going to be absolutely going crackers. Ray in Balham, he says, When, when Camelot sent me an email confirming I am the sole winner, a cheque for 50 quid with your name on it will be winging its way to Leicester Square. Well, I could not accept it at all. Although, strangely enough, I had this thing the other day. I went down to Brighton yesterday for lunch, because uh, it was such a beautiful day. And we went to a place called Havana Spoons in Hove, which used to be a dire restaurant. Now, it's, it's really nice. And then yesterday evening, I was at Oslo Court. And Oslo Court is... it's a, a restaurant in a flat in Oslo Court by Regent's Park. And it's really... we love it in there. Because nothing is too much trouble. If you go, is it possible to have some more, um, um, you know, patisserie? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They bring it all over. And you get a really good portion and I do like... Because really, if you're paying, you know, money, and it's not very expensive in there, but it's everybody's favourite for years and years, and there's all sorts of people go there. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So don't forget that the... Oh, sorry. That the programme finishes at 9 this morning, because between 9 and 10, it's... Uh, well, I think between 9 and 10. Between 9 and 1, it's a special programme on Libya with Ian Payne. Uh, Pat talks about the... Uh, This nonsense over the programme Midsummer Murders. Would there be white middle-class people in a programme set in Harlem? Patsy says, worry about something. A load of old rubbish. I know, but until it's pointed out by the the writer, nobody ever... Nobody thought about it, did they? Uh, 84850. Miriam says, I've never understood the claim that killing their own people is a justification for killing a whole load more. Cameron says, with pursed lips disapproval, that Gaddafi is killing his own people. So let's go in and kill some ourselves is what he's saying. I think we're obviously trying to protect the oil or anything else. Uh, please wish my other half Kerry a very happy birthday. She's an avid listener, says Lee. So there you go. Have a very happy birthday for today. And, um, Steve, do you realise that, unbelievably, there were no black people in Notting Hill with Hugh Grant? Not even extras. Are you sure? I thought there was in Notting Hill. I've distinctly... Been, I'm sure there would be. Would there not? I could, I could be wrong, actually. I could be wrong. But, uh, Karen... Thank you. The Laura Crane Trust are using photos of her beloved son, Mark, on their leaflet. And they've asked me for a story because he was very brave, which is nice. Catherine Tate is patron. Lovely Catherine. uh, Which is very good. And uh, the Music Hall Guild of Great Britain and America. And uh, Adrian says, I was quite embarrassed that I'd not listened to your show before. But I have to say, you're bound to have me in stitches. There you go. We have another another convert. Adrian, thank you very much indeed. He says, uh, uh, you will be... uh, You'll be hearing from me again. It's almost like a threat, isn't it, really? And Yvonne says, uh, podcasts are not just for holidays, Steve. You talk about podcasting for holidays. And uh, it's not... I took you to the gym the other day with me, which is very good. Very nice indeed. I'm more than happy when people podcast, although somebody said to me that they're missing a few podcasts, which came out uh, uh, a short while ago. I think, no, back in uh, 2006... I don't know whether or not they're just freeing up some more space to put other things on there. But if you go to the LBC website, then you can uh, find out exactly what's on there. It's very cheap. From as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on LBC. So you never need to sit on a flight or sit on a beach and not, go, oh, I'm really missing LBC, because you can take it. Uh, Look, just listening, says Paul, at you talking about the woman getting out of the Mercedes and putting the blue badge in to go shopping with her daughter. Don't get me started on that one. Because I'm so annoyed with all the people that do it. I'm a wheelchair user, so I do understand. I find it frustrating when I can't get into a car parking space because of someone selfish who thinks they have the right to use the bays. They don't, and they never will. I think a lot more needs to be done about this by the government, but I don't think that will happen. I agree with you. But there are a lot of uh, fake badges being used out there. And when you see two people skipping off to go shopping... You know, I mean, you just, you just want to don a policeman's uniform and say, excuse me, what disability do you have? Can we, see, you know, there should be some, some sort of thing. Because I, ho- I was always told, the whole idea was that if you've got a disabled badge, it means that you can't walk very far. That's why you can use the disabled badge. And, uh, and then it, it's a lot easier for you. But unfortunately, a lot of people are abusing the situation. They're using dead people's badges. They're using their mother's badges. Dreadful. Two great interviews this morning, says Bruce, with Gary Newman and Tracy ann Oberman. Lovely. Really nice. Actually, we've got some really good ones coming up, including Jean-Claude Van Damme tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going with that one. Never done to anybody like him before. It'd be like. I can't think. It'd be like interviewing Sylvester Stallone. Yes, dear, dear. Well, actually, it's not Sylvester Stallone at all, was it? Just a very bad impression of me trying to sound like somebody who wasn't Sylvester Stallone. But uh, I don't know anything about Jean-Claude Van Damme. But I bet you, by the time I talk tomorrow morning, I'll be the world's best expert on everything he's ever done. You see, he makes those action films, doesn't he? He does all this, you know. Muscles from Brussels. Well, they Muscles from Brussels, and here I am. The Leaf from Leicester Square. And uh, we'll have a good old chat tomorrow morning. Because I think he must have a new film out. Don't forget to how low today. If you've just woken up, it's your opportunity to bid for my fantastic Sony Vaio laptop, 320 gigabytes of hard drive, built-in webcam, Wi-Fi connectivity. Hammer comes down 10 a.m. to play this one. Text Steve, followed by your bid in pence, and send it to Treble Eight Two One. Want to bid one pound thirty-seven? You write Steve One Three Seven. In a text and send it to Treble Eight Two One. This competition finishes at 10am this morning, but I'll only be telling you about it till 9 because of our special programme on Libya. Uh, entries are limited and cost one pound fifty plus your standard network rate. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. It's really nice. If you've never seen a Sony VAIO laptop, just uh, go and have a look at one on the internet and, uh, and then you'll be going, I could get that for pennies. I forget what some of the things went for last. Like 38p or something stupid. You can watch DVDs, listen to music... And access the internet on the move. And as the papers tell you this morning, we're skint. And after next week's budget, you'll be even poorer. And yet we still dig deep for charity in this country. What is it that makes us dig deep for charity? Because we're just good at it. We're just very good. We like giving. I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday, Helena. And uh, she'd been tempted by the television. And so she'd called up some premium rate text lines. Because she just felt so awful about the fact that, you know, people are dying in another country. They haven't got anything and she thought she could make a difference. I said, it's a huge problem. She said, I know, but you've got to do something, haven't you? Latest update on uh, Libya, NATO's top decision-making body, is set to decide whether the alliance will join in the strikes on Libya. Diplomats said NATO's military planners are due to present final action plans to the North Atlantic Council today. This is LBC. Total Landlord Insurance morning, everybody. Thank you to Brenda in, uh, in Twickenham. I didn't know they did postcards, strange enough, of Church Street. Makes it look quite empty and quite wide, whereas, in fact, it's a really tiny little narrow street. But thank you very much, indeed, for that. Uh, anyway, uh, in this part of the programme, because this programme finishes at nine o'clock this morning, so we've got to get uh, a lot in. Ollie Mann's back with us. Good morning. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, actually, because we're, we're sort of split between. It'll be a split programme. It's half Libya and half other things in the papers. Yes. Because uh, because we're going to do this, this programme at 9 o'clock, which will run through today, uh, they're going to concentrate very much on that, whereas uh, all, the, all the papers are full of Libya anyway.
1: Well, of course, yes. OK, so all the Libya latest at 9 o'clock, and before then... Well, basically, I have two piles of newspapers right. here. I've been going through, fastidiously, the Sunday papers. I have a pile of the sort of thing we'd normally talk about, right. and a pile of how the papers are talking about Libya, and you know what, we can choose as we go through. Yeah. Of course, Libya is fascinating, and it is all over the papers. It would be crazy not to talk about it.
0: How long do we think it'll last?
1: Well, good, exactly the point I wanted to start with, Steve, actually, because the News of the World's headline here, it will all be over in 48 hours. That's, yeah. Uh, They've got a picture of uh, Mr Gaddafi in a crosshairs. I know that's the gung-ho style of the News of the World, and you wouldn't expect anything else, but I'm not sure even the majority of the British public think that it will be actually over in 48... I mean, OK, yes if we're lucky, and I hope this is the case, because civilians are dying at our hands as well as at Gaddafi's hands, Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the bombing can stop after 48 hours. That would be amazing if that happened. But the idea that Gaddafi is in the crosshairs in 48 hours, that the country is somehow fine after 48 hours when they've been having a civil war for, what, three, four weeks, Mm. and he's been there for 40 years.
0: And he said there's no way that he's actually going to surrender. Yeah, He said that the only way he's actually going out will be in a bag. He'll be out going out in a coffin. It's as simple as that.
1: I think him and his son have said exactly the same. And also, I mean, he's not... I mean, he's a lot of things, but he's not scared. No, no, no. Uh, And, you know, the quotes that they have here from um, uh, Mike Jackson, General Sir Mike Jackson... Uh, Gaddafi's pilots will not want to mix it with our boys. That's a very News of the World-style quote. I can't imagine General Samite Jackson actually talking like that. No. Um, And so, you know, and they're calling him Mad Dog again, just like they did in the 80s. The Sun and the News of the World are always very enthusiastic supporters of anything the British military do. So, uh, especially now with the support of the UN, like I say, it's not at all surprising that they're going to take this kind of gung-ho line. Mm. But I'm not sure that if you ask the general public how they feel about it, they're quite as optimistic as, as all that. And actually, <clears throat> interesting, if you look at the Sunday Express, mm. is also a very kind of patriotic paper, and you might expect to have a similar headline. Uh, they have here virtually nothing about Gaddafi on the front page. Uh, and then the first thing that you do see when you open up page three, don't rely on an end to brutality. I'm the exact opposite of what yes. the news of the world is saying, which is a think piece by John Nicol uh, yes, we know John Nicol Who served well. on a tornado aircraft. Yes.
0: So, I mean... But they're not deploying ground troops, are they? This is just purely an air offensive.
1: Exactly, and that's his point. Yes. Um You know, the, what Gaddafi's been doing is uh, sending mercenaries in arm-to-arm on the ground. And <clears throat> a no-fly zone can only achieve so much. And indeed, mm. there's a piece as well, I think it was in the Times or the Telegraph, I've got something here in this massive... Uh, the Observer, sorry, in this massive pile of papers I've got here... <laughs> Uh, In which the same man, uh, John Nicol, has written, as you'd expect in The Observer, a much more sort of thoughtful uh, kind of diatribe on the same point. Uh, And he says here, uh, Our aircrew are experienced and dedicated professionals trained for the task ahead of them, but the difference between a pickup truck carrying Gaddafi forces and a pickup truck carrying evacuees is not easy to spot from the air. Mm. And that's right, if the resolution says we can be from the air, I know it says all means necessary, but it's basically air and sea what can you see from the air? And you are going to kill a lot of innocent people yes. whilst you're doing this thing that may be right and legal. Yes. Uh, it's not all peachy and rosy and, and let's get Gaddafi in the crosshairs. It's not like that at all. I mean, he can escape somewhere, presumably, and, and lots of people are going to die amongst all this.
0: Well, that that is the tragedy. The other tragedy is that it's overshadowed the tsunami hell that they're still going through. Mm. Now they've had all the, the devastation and the loss of life. Now they've got snow to add to it which yes. has made it worse.
1: And, and radioactive spinach, who'd have thought of, that's heard right. of such a thing? Yes. Uh, but, I mean... but the
0: other thing is, it's all the people who are collecting, and yet here it is, the the third richest nation in the entire world, yeah. and we're having a collection for them. Why on earth would we, would we be collecting for a nation that, presumably, they have their own version of all these things, they're more than capable of doing everything. I would, is this just a way of the charities topping up their... They're sort of coffers and saying we're going to send some blankets because the one thing that Japan would have... They've got everything. It's the third richest... It's a superpower.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I take your point. I think it's maybe a bit overly cynical, but I know what you mean. Mm. I mean, I think if you watch the, the TV coverage of those people who have lost their homes, their mm. families, lost everything, and now they're suffering potential radiation as well, uh, it would be inhumane not to think, I wish I could do something to help. But and they that, can help. I mean, they've got
0: everything they've there. They've got money, yeah. They have got huge amounts of money.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the charities that people are giving to, I guess, are specific charities. So, for example, Save the Children. Yeah. You know, that's specifically going to help children who have been orphaned, etc. It's not about contributing to the general fund for the cleanup and so on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the most useful thing, actually, that we can do is not personal donations right. unless uh, i mean i think sandra bullock personally donated a million dollars yeah which uh, albeit okay was you know widely spread out there so she could get some publicity but nonetheless good on her now now who's being cynical uh, <laughs> um, no but i'm saying well done her yeah um but i mean aside from that unless you're an absolute millionaire i think the best thing you can do rather than yes. give a personal donation to japan um i think is is this situation where uh, it's quite a complicated thing to explain but it was on the front of the ft yesterday but essentially all the central banks of the G7 got mm. together to make sure that there's no more problems for the yen. because yeah. uh, Well, they've have...
0: shored it up with God knows how much investment. Was it a trillion? But that's the
1: right thing to do. Yes, you yes. Know, if, if, you, if, you know, if the richest countries in the world support each other in that way with mm. their own institutionalised money, yeah. I think that's the, way, that's the responsible way for this government to deal with it because people were buying and selling against the yen because they were in trouble and they're going to have yes. to pay out insurance and all this kind of thing.
0: The worst thing is and I said the other day you've got to be so careful you'll be standing in a pub and somebody will come around with a bucket for the tsunami for the tsunami. Yeah. Most of the, these people are lining their own pockets. The police have already arrested lots of people who just are going out there and taking money. They've got no intention of sending it to anybody at all. Yeah,
1: the best thing is obviously to donate through your yes. through your bank or yeah. through the official
0: do, channel. It's an official channel not somebody who comes around a pub rattling. It's like the girls who come around selling roses in the pub on a Saturday night. It's a huge organised gang they don't give any money to charity they just keep it you at know, least you it, get you, a rose out of that you get a rose out of it but i mean how sad must your life be you're standing in a pub nursing a
1: pint and you buy a rose right what next L- libya or not libya steve what do you want uh, this huge lotto rollover now 117 million pounds oh, crikey i didn't see
0: that one 100? 117 million yes, pounds it, it, it rolled over because nobody got 90 million which means that out of the entire country buying god knows how many tickets nobody could come up with a winning combination 75 million combinations. In America, they did a programme on the television uh, whereby a syndicate... I think it got to something like $200 million. And they, they started going out, filling out all their tickets mm. with every combination. And in the end, they got a computer. They asked the, the lottery people over there, can we print our own tickets? And they went, yes. So they printed off 70... Whatever their, their odds were, 40 million tickets with every combination under the sun. And they won. So they made quite a few million profits so if, if it's 75 million to one and nobody else gets it you print off all the tickets with every combination yeah. you will win
1: you have to invest a lot there though don't you
0: 75 million yeah but to win not, 117 not to million yeah. exactly but somebody very rich could do that sandra bullock
1: well, sandra, well, sandra bullock could, 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 could do have given that. the prize to
0: japan and is, then everyone would be happy it, is it actually too much though 117 million
1: you wouldn't get any peace from the media at all <laughs> It's an absolutely absurd amount of money. It is ludicrous. I mean, I, I, I really think I'd, I'd be more willing to play a lottery where the odds were better, but the maximum prize was a million pounds. Because everyone yes. could enjoy a million pounds. Yes,
0: they? yes. I'd, I'd quite like to win a million pounds.
1: Everyone <laughs> could enjoy a million pounds. And even someone who was really irresponsible and spent it all in three weeks would have a great time with a million pounds and yeah. probably not spiral into despair and deprivation.
0: 117. The, imagine you live on a car- caravan site in Prestatin. Yeah. And you get 117 million. I mean, it would just blow your mind. I don't know what you'd do.
1: Well, actually, a mate of mine. His uh, mum used to be the PA for someone who works at uh, one of the lottery organisers, and uh, nice. she told me that uh, people would come into their office, the lottery winners, mm. and she'd be, they'd come back, you know, every year for a photo call or yeah. you know to speak to the accountant or the advisor or whatever, and almost always after two or three years had passed. They were incredibly depressed people. Yes, yes. The ones who choose to take press attention especially, they tend to be the ones who've got a real rags-to-riches story. Yeah. And after three years has it's played itself out, you know, they've moved out of their local area, they've moved into a house where no-one wants to speak to them because they're the new money in like the Mikey neighbourhood. Like Mikey Carroll, like the bin man who
0: won the 9.7 million and now he's got
1: nothing. Ha, exactly. ha, 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 Exactly. Ha. I yeah. was
0: very pleased because he was just he was just <laughs> revolting. Also incredibly stupid. You know, to have had that much money and to have lost it, you know, is is an idiotic man, and Look, his neighbours were glad to get rid of how to deal with it? No, well, no th- idea we'll, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. More from uh, from Ollie. It's time now, fourteen past eight. Save super amounts of money, money. Good Morning, everyone. Just to bring you up to uh, to speed, the RAF Tornado jets have now joined in the operation to attack the Libyan targets. Uh, this is to enforce the no fly zone over Libya as the international community swing into action against uh, Mm -hmm. Colonel Gaddafi. The Ministry of Defence have confirmed storm-shadow missiles were launched from Tornado GR4 fast jets, which flew the 3,000 miles from RAF Maram in Norfolk and back. Uh, Liam Fox said the fast jets flew 3,000 miles from RAF Maram and back, making it the longest-range bombing mission conducted by the RAF since the Falklands conflict, which I remember very well. As part of a coordinated strike, a barrage of 112 Tomahawk cruise missiles, some of them British, were also fired at Libya to knock out the dictator's air defence systems at more than 20 coastal locations. And a Royal Navy Trafalgar-class submarine stationed in the Mediterranean took part in the coordinated assault, which also involved forces from the US, France, Italy and Canada under the operational control of the US-Africa Command. There's also an update on Japan. We mentioned Japan a minute ago and that's been pushed to one side, but plans to vent The radioactive gas at one of the reactors at the country's tsunami-damaged nuclear complex had been scrapped after the plant's operator said the pressure inside had stabilised. So that's good news. Tokyo Electric Power Company officials said there's no immediate need to vent the pressure at the Unit 3 reactor at Fukushima. They say the pressure's relatively high, but it has stabilised. So that's good news. That is good news. They don't blow up, these things. They just release Radiation, so there's no huge explosions.
1: Well, you know, I think the British public, Steve, are so programmed to be frightened of the word radiation, particularly yes. the people who were around in the 60s when that was the big fear. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yesterday, actually, I met this bloke who was um, a professor of nuclear physics, I think he was, from uh, Manchester University. And uh, so, obviously, I asked him a bit about it because I'm not sure about what all this uh, concrete encasements of rods really means. What does it do? And I said to him, yeah, I said to him, you know, look, what's what's the danger? And he was very honest, and he said, well, I I don't... No one knows. It's all guesses. Like, there's this scale, you know, where they say it's number four, it's number five, but actually that's based on certain criteria, and it's quite complicated, and it's all based on guesswork. Um, and if it sa- says it's a Category 5, that doesn't mean that it's just a few down from Chernobyl. It just means that's a, a standard category, you know, yeah. that they attribute to it. Um, and yeah, anyway, he was saying, the British public hear the word radiation and they're so frightened by it, But actually, it's kind of to do with education in that, like, we all know that if you put your hand into something that's 20 degrees, it's fine. But if you put it into 80 degrees, it's not. And people don't have that idea of scale. They don't know that, you know, that enough that's in a CT scan is safe. Yes. But enough that's, you know, uh, 20 times that level also could be safe, that's the thing.
0: Hmm. Um, I feel sorry for all the people who kept going back in there again. I kept thinking, you're really putting your life on the line with these things. Yeah, no, I mean, that's heroic, isn't it, the people who work there? absolutely, phenomenal. But I I became quite an expert on nuclear reactors. I didn't realise that they're, (laughs) they're, they're, they're so... You know, automatic now That the thing can shut itself down It knows if it's being attacked Or yeah. it's, like, it's like, like the body reacting And immediately the rods start dropping in And the coolant starts coming in The problem with it was that they ran out of coolant Yes. To keep them The one thing you can't let them do is overheat That's when you get the problems
1: Yeah, that's what he was saying And, it, and it's not just a case of keeping them cool now Which is what you might pick up from yeah. watching the news It's a case of keeping them cool for the next 40 years Yes,
0: yes, absolutely And they did have it But then there was a problem with the seawater and yeah. then, but then automatically, it was a chain reaction. One nuclear reactor shut itself down, and then that in turn made the second one start shutting down. So it's it's a little bit like the war, the film War Games with Matthew Broderick, where a computer is playing a game, but they don't know it's playing a game.
1: Mm. I'm saying because mm I haven't seen War Games. You have to watch it. It's very
0: <laughs> interesting. It 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 was it was playing a game, but it was setting off nuclear missiles. Yeah, because it thought it was being attacked. So, but unfortunately, it was only just a game it was playing.
1: Do you know, it's amazing how many things that are in the news and that are happening in the world at the moment do seem like they've been lifted from Hollywood movies. Yes, yes. And this, that stuff in Japan is apocalyptic, isn't
0: it? But but then I I was getting emails the other week from people saying, you know, as, as God, you know, created all these things in the first place, they must have done something really bad, not just to get the tsunami or the earthquake, then the tsunami, then the snow. And you look at the pictures and it's total devastation. Yeah. Total, you know, one minute there was a coastal town there, the next minute there was no coastal town.
1: Yeah, it's impossible and to And you imagine,
0: cannot describe it? how fast this thing must have come in because not just 10,000 lives or whatever it was, but all the pets, all the animals, nothing yes. just vanished. Everything went...
1: And also, I think looking at this stuff from your armchair, it's just very difficult, actually, to get a full sense of what it's actually like to be there and how petrifying it is. Same with it's Libya, right. actually. Yes. You know, it's Because it's not here. It's not here. It's over there. Yeah. And so in, in Libya, the, the story kind of is, if you read a lot of the papers, oh, the UN's there now, it's all going to be all right. Yes. Well, if you're getting bombed from the sky, it doesn't matter if, if you hate Gaddafi and you want him overthrown. Yes. If your city's getting bombed by the world, mm. that's scary, isn't it? I mean, it is properly scary but you stuff.
0: do tend to become, I remember during the Falklands War, when I I was presenting on LBC, and you become almost oblivious to the amount of bodies. Mm. And you read out, you know, six people were killed today or ten people. But because you don't know them... Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. You're just coming up with numbers. So, you know, you, you read on the news, you know, 60 people were killed today in Afghanistan Afghanistan another two soldiers. You don't know them. It's just a number to you.
1: Yeah, and I think actually one of the things that the papers are doing really well today is personalising those stories, mm. just as they did actually in Tahir Square when they were going in, in Egypt and talking to the protesters. Um, you know, because there's journalists in Benghazi at least, yes. and in Tripoli they're all confined to that ridiculous hotel. We used to been it- in Benghazi. Say that again. I used to live in Benghazi. I thought that's what you just said. Yes, How fascinating. How long, long, long were you there time
0: for? ago. Uh, we were only there for about a year. Wow. It was a. It was a, an RAF post. It was a station.
1: So you can relate to some of this then. Well, I was a, a bit young at the can't. time,
0: but I, at the moment they started talking about Benghazi, I thought I've got pictures of us in Benghazi. Yeah. So, wow. you know, and also in Egypt we were all over the place.
1: Well I mean right. the, the what I always going to say is that the papers of course because what a newspaper does very well is report very thoroughly on what happened the day before but it's a bit difficult to predict what's happening now yes. and so although it does have stories of some of the strikes that might have happened last night, of course they were written at 10 o'clock last night so it's all a bit crystal ball They were written way before 10 o'clock I suspect many of them. Exactly <laughs> um, but what is very good in the papers is talking about what happened the day before, i.e. Yes. the day that Gaddafi said, right I'm amnesty ceasefire. Yes. have your resolution I'm having a ceasefire, don't worry, no one's going to die. And then of course uh, a horrific situation in Benghazi and they've got details of that Uh, Benghazi burns as the West talks and talks is the headline because that's a quotation this angry woman in the street saying you know, the world said it's going to come to our rescue but it's you know just giving him another 24 hours is enough time for him to kill more and more people the west is talking and talking the foreign leaders bear responsibility for this in a way like i said this is yesterday's news because of course we're there now um but it does personalize the story for you imagine what it must be like being there and feeling like i
0: can't i cannot imagine it no matter how much you see it it's like you know you know being in the middle of a you know a a nation that starves Mm. i've got no idea i've seen poverty before Because I've lived in countries where, you know, you do get people who've got, and then you get people who've got nothing, nothing at all. I mean, India, another one of the rich superpowers, huge, huge area where they just push them to one side. They just shove them into the slums and try and forget about them, hope they don't exist. Mm. And it's a huge problem throughout the whole world. I mean, I, I think you could give to charity for the rest of your life and you still couldn't solve the world's problems with food and housing because all these people in Africa who've got nothing, we've just raised £74 million for with the comic relief, they haven't got anything at all. They've got nothing. You know, they're, they're being taken advantage of, and and they end up with nothing. Just giving them food isn't going to solve the problem. It's got to be long-term.
1: No, well, it's got to... I mean, that's the thing, but it's very difficult to, as a charity, raise money to uh, change a government, isn't it? Whereas at least you can say, we're going to build a well It's something. Would be nice to think the government's actually took notice,
0: wouldn't it, really? Very interested, says uh, Barbara, uh, in uh, the... Oh, hang on, I've lost it again. It's disappeared. Oh, dear. Sorry, it just vanished off my screen for some reason. Wait a minute. Let's try and find it. You're talking about about the charity donations. No, we'll have to come back to it. It's decided not to not to play ball with us today, the computer. It's decided to play... I've got another berries. story for you, Steve. How Good. about that?
1: Good. It's about the 2012 Olympics. Oh. You fancy
0: that one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in two minds about the 2012 Olympics, because half of me is going, yes, I'm quite interested. Would I buy a ticket? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, will, will Bob Crow be bringing everybody out on strike? Of course he will be. He'll be looking for maximum disruption to ruin everything, because he's, he's a prophet of doom. And, uh, and will we have all sorts of problems with it? Yes.
1: Well, would you buy a package holiday to London for £5,398? Oh. That's uh, for, uh, I think, three nights at the Cavendish Hotel... That mm. famous luxury that bastion. Famous luxury ba- of, uh, <laughs> I've never
0: heard of the Cavendish, but it sounds delightful. <laughs> uh,
1: an early round of the Olympic table tennis competition mm. and two hours of swimming, <laughs> as well as bus transfers oh. and lunch. £5,398, what do you say? Wow. That's outrageous, isn't that it? That is not it a lot of money. But. You know that
0: you can't take your own lunch in to any of the Olympic things, you oh, can I'm sure. only buy on site.
1: Well, they have all these ridiculous. I say ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. I understand why? It's so that they can have more money, so they can subsidise the tickets. Yeah, but they have all these sponsors, don't they? It'll so be sponsored McDonald's. by McDonald's or whoever it is, and that's what so you go there. So you're going to the there.
0: Olympics, and they're selling McDonald's, Big, Mac. Big Macs. Yeah. Big Macs. yeah.
1: Well, it's like, you can only get a ticket if you pay on your visa, can't you? Because they're the official credit card partner. Well, that's just
0: ludicrous. I mean, you know, it
1: should be open to everybody if they want to go. But I suspect most people,
0: probably like me, will watch it on telly because you'll get a better
1: view. But it makes you realise, though. I mean, people are complaining about the price of the tickets. They're complaining that they can only Mm. buy it on a visa and all the rest of it. Actually, okay, yes, it might cost you £100 to go and see an event. But... That is isn't incredible... If you wanted to go to the other side of the world next time they have the Olympics to watch it, it would cost you this kind of money, three and a half grand just to get there. So actually, you know, for London to have that opportunity, it is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, it makes you realise.
0: Yeah. The, the, the one, th- the only thing that I, I worry about is the opening ceremony, because having seen how everybody else has done it, where it's been spectacular, the yeah. Chinese was just wonderful. I've just got a horrible feeling ours is going to be some, some route master buses, yeah. some girls dressed up as beefeaters, some policemen, yeah. and a few half-hearted Enders actors and actresses yeah. waving from the top. Tr- Doing I the just, Ministry of Silly Wars. Yes, exactly. I just, <laughs> I just want it to be so big and spectacular and I don't know who's who's responsible for that.
1: Ah, well, it. I do know who's responsible, and I'm optimistic. It's Danny Boyle. Okay. He's very visionary, yeah. and he's worked in theatre and film, and he yeah. has a good understanding as well of, um, well, I guess how the rest of the world relates to spectacle, look at Slumdog Millionaire. So I reckon... Optimism for oh, the opening okay. ceremony.
0: Okay, optimism. That, that's what I reckon. All right. Yeah. Listen, we, we take a very <laughs> quick break. I'm not totally convinced by this. I still think it's going to be two Routemaster buses and some girls dressed up as beef eaters. I think ten
1: Routemaster buses in <laughs> Ringmaster. I
0: thought so. <laughs> London's biggest conversation. El- Ten double-decker buses, OK? We've now established ten double-decker buses and probably more than 30 beef feeters I don't know, I mean, what, if you were saying to somebody, and because it's London, and you were putting together the opening ceremony, you have to say to somebody, what does London mean to somebody coming in from overseas? And yes. it means the Queen, Buckingham Palace, Trooping the Colour, uh, London Taxis, Red Butts... So there's going to be a Troop of London Taxis, Trooping the Colour, uh, Policemen, and...
1: What? Well... I I agree that most people in the world probably have a vision of London which really is a vision from the 1960s. Well, I live here. (laughs) Tell
0: me, what what else would signify London?
1: Well, I mean, if you were being honest, I suppose enterprise, multiculturalism, all those fuzzy words that you don't want to see necessarily embodied in a parade, but, you know, those are the things that we do in Europe that other people don't do. Um, There's a reason. But that's, I think... I have, I have faith. I think the. I, I think back to the Golden Jubilee. Everyone yes. was slagging that off before and saying, "Oh, it's going to be rubbish." And who wants to be there? Who cares about the Queen anymore? And it was great. That yeah. was a good. That was a good gig. You oh, have yes, to admit that was. That a that was, good was a, gig. We organised it Ivory. well. Yep. and you know, if you think about events like Live Aid as well, that was in London. That was a British event. The world watched it. It yeah. was a decent, spectacular that united the world. Why yeah. do you think we can't so pull it off again? What
0: else are we putting on at the opening ceremony apart from the ten
1: route Master buses? Everything at the opening ceremony is almost, by necessity, slightly pointless and yeah. empty. But that goes for every opening ceremony. I don't know.
0: I thought, I thought Beijing was
1: fantastic. You, I'm a bit worried that what might just happen is Ricky Gervais comes on and does his David Brent. Oh, Lord.
0: <laughs> Now you've ruined the day. Now you've ruined the day, I'm afraid. Hopefully it won't be that. Yes. Don't forget, I've got a Sony VAIO laptop. You've got till 10 o'clock to get your hands on this one this morning in the Steve Allen-exclusive How Low Reverse Auction. 320 gigabytes of hard drive. Built-in webcam, Wi-Fi connectivity. Person with the lowest unique bid will win. Lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. Hammer comes down ten a.m. this morning, so you've got an hour and um twenty-one minutes. Twenty sorry, twenty-six minutes to go. You play uh, this one by texting Steve, then your bid in pence. If you want to bid six pence, you text Steve, then six, the number six, and send it to Treble Eight Two One. Want to bid two pounds sixteen, it's Steve two one six, and send it to Treble Eight Two One. This competition finishes at ten AM this morning. Got to be over 16. Entries are limited and cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. So it'd be nice if you have got your hands on my Sony VAIO laptop. Really lovely. Don't forget Ian Payne from 9 o'clock this morning for a special programme on Libya. LBC's political correspondent Tom Cheel will be joining him in the studio. So that's in uh, in 25 minutes' time. Uh, Oli Mann's here with the papers today. So we, we've, we've sort of split the papers, half Libya and half other stories.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate, actually. I mean, you know, open any of them and the first three or four pages is, of course, about Libya. But as yep. I was saying before, you know, the stories go stale pretty quickly because uh, it's kind of about, really, um, decisions that happen now, you know, uh, 30 hours ago or so. Yes. Um, yes. There's a poll in the Telegraph, quite interesting. 57% of Sunday Telegraph readers support the action in Libya, whilst 27% opposed not long to find it. out.
0: That, that, that poll, did it? When do they phone people up?
1: I know. It must be midnight, mustn't it, it? must
0: be. Hello, we're just called... Go away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. 57% of people that could be bothered to speak to someone It's a small home.
0: poll, though, isn't it? And mostly these polls are only, I think, between one and 2,000 people. And that, that gives you the rough idea of what they think the country will be thinking.
1: Yeah, but, you know, they're run... By, I mean, this one's run by E-Digital, which is a market research company, which, if it did rubbish, market research wouldn't, you know, would cease to exist. Yeah. So I think you can assume can that... You
0: not research say anything you
1: like yeah i think you can i mean t- if you're i mean you often get the thing where someone's calling up from a dog food company or something and they steer the questions in a certain way That's right. um so that it's about their brand but i think when it's about the decision to go to war i think it's a fairly straightforward question and mm. that would seem to be accurate roughly with you know if i go out and talk to my friends i'd say about 57 percent of them seem roughly yes. supportive and you know if you compare that to the action in iraq which of course is at the forefront of everyone's mind that's an impressive markup from the 50 50 situation we had then. Yeah. Um, right, not Libya story. Uh, Joe McKeldry in the Sunday Mirror. There's a picture of him here looking a bit oh. doleful with an Azda bag.
0: I've interviewed Joe McKeldry.
1: Seems like a nice lad.
0: I felt a bit sorry for him, really. I'll tell you for why, because when he came out, it was kind of, he was almost forced to come out. Yeah. He did come out, didn't he? I did, <laughs> yes. No, you have not just, right, just done a Matthew Rice. That's right, I yeah. am not just done a Matthew Rice. and and you sort of think think to yourself that's kind of overshadows his career. They yep. left it ages before they brought a record out, so he didn't get the publicity because all people are going is oh, so you're you're a gay singer. Yeah, you think. That's not really important, but nowadays the papers are so keen to put people in there and what they do and pigeonhole them that I think it's overshadowed the poor boy.
1: I agree, and actually there's a bit of a, I would say, a a picture caption which smacks of homophobia here. Mummy's boy Joe pictured with a friend is back at home now that the reason the legitimacy for calling him a mummy's boy is that he's moved back in with his mum yeah. but even so i think if a straight man of his age he's only what 20 or something he moved is, back with his mum they wouldn't young. call him a mummy's boy uh, yeah. but anyway uh, yeah this story is that he's moved back with his mum in gateshead essentially because as is no surprise to anyone who follows these things his his record career really appears to be over his last single went in at like number 68 um and he's playing potter's leisure resort uh, in South oh. Shields, uh, you know. Look, oh. I, I, I feel kind of sorry for him. I do. But it's inevitable. We know that this happens every year with the X Factor. Unless someone really is remarkably talented, in his case, I think this is a little bit premature. I know British people love to follow the rise and fall of people. I think he is very talented as a singer. He always was a kind of Broadway-style singer, and I can imagine him sort he of was, doing. He
0: was a showboy. He's a showboy. You know, and he like... was all teeth, and you know singing high school musical stuff yeah yeah. and you
1: can totally see him can't you doing joseph and the amazing technicolor Dreamcoat, and that kind of thing version of it yes yes yes. um and i think they sort of made a mistake and it Uh, is partly tied in with the fact that whether he was made to or not he came out which was that when his single came out it was basically him trying to be Meeker, and it was all a bit poppy and cheesy and actually the people who voted for him on the x factor i reckon were probably grandmas who liked him doing show tunes liked him doing elaine page And they'd have been better off him releasing a Susan Boyle-type career, I think, than trying to make him into a sort of, you know, nightclubbing pop strumpet, when just because he's gay, he's obviously not really into that at all. It didn't really fit him.
0: I've seen it happen on on so many occasions where they sort of bring somebody out, unless they, I mean, I think that they left it so long after it finished. It was like a year before anything happened. I'm thinking, they're not going to do anything with him. I can just tell they're not going to do anything with him, because they should have struck, whereas Ollie Muir's... Uh, sorry, it had two singles out, the album's out, is all over the place. Yeah. Which
1: means, technically, it could finish quick. Yes, although, to be fair, they always save the winner. They always yeah. save the winner single to the following first live final, don't they? And, and yeah. actually, that is what happened with Leona Lewis. And Bleeding Love was a massive hit all around the world. Yes. So, Alexandra you, Burke, I think, is,
0: she, she had two very strong singles. Third one, not so strong, so immediately they shove her on on a on a charity uh, project. They've done the same with Ollie Mers. They obviously do that to try and keep the profile up if you can't keep turning out, you know, poppy singles.
1: Well, for purely vainglorious and selfish reasons, uh, I don't want Ollie Merz's career to progress much further because if you Google Ollie space M, it now auto-prompts you for him instead of me. Sorry about that. I was very you, upset. You know, and you can't sing. Well, you don't know that. I'm not going to demonstrate No, believe here. you
0: me, I, I'm almost <laughs> willing to put money on it. I do a
1: cracking old man river, but yeah, it's, but it's sh- not exactly a number one <laughs> well, I'm single. I'm
0: sure you do. <laughs> uh, I, I feel sorry. Poor old Colleen Rooney, who doesn't actually do anything in her vacuous life. She just goes on holiday again. That sounds so fair. Here she is again. Now they're saying, because she went on holiday without wine, that their marriage is in crisis. Uh, she flies the family out on a £100,000 holiday, and she's gone um, with her mother, and, and she just doesn't do anything. Because the trouble is with these footballers... When, when they sort of come from from the back and beyond, and they earn this much money, there's nothing. I mean, I think he earns a quarter of a million a week. Well, you know, the time you bought the house and she's bought a few frocks from cricket, and she's got <laughs> nowhere to wear the poor things. It's a bit of a shame. Uh, what do you do apart from go on holiday? Precisely. So and it's not marriage her over, is it? It's, women. Just, business it's just, just business as usual. Just business as usual for them yeah. because they've been together. They they come from those sort of families where you do stay together, or they break your kneecaps, and um, and everybody's quite
1: happy. So I see no reason just because she's on holiday without him. You know. Well, and- if you had the choice to go on holiday with Wayne Rooney or without Wayne Rooney, which one would you say? Oh, well, you don't even need to ask that question of me. <laughs> so there you I go. I can't think of anybody worse to go on holiday with. I've seen him being interviewed on television. He comes across
0: as thick as a plank to me, I'm afraid. He'd make you look good on the beach, Steve. No, he wouldn't. Believe you me. Believe you me. I do not look good on the beach. Uh, Earl Spencer is cashing in on the royal wedding. He's doing holidays for rich tourists. £11,000. So I saw Makes this. your one
1: look quite quite cheap at the uh, Cavendish. Yes, I know. Well, it's sort of... My take on this is actually similar to my take on, yeah. on the Olympics, charging a lot of people for pe- charging a lot of money for people to come over. This is the story that Earl Spencer, yeah, is charging, I think it's £11,300 for a stay... At the Mandarin Oriental, so that's pretty good compared to the Cavendish, isn't yes, it? Yes, that's all right. Uh, I'd
0: rather I'd rather stay at, at, at his his place.
1: Well, you get to go and have tea with him and a royal, oh. and uh, you get to watch the royal wedding. I think from. <laughs> don't want to get this wrong. From where? Kensington Palace. Oh right. Yeah. So you know okay, that's okay. a good that's a good trip. Uh,
0: 18 grand for two people sharing
1: Do you know what, but my, like I say, my take is the same which is, are we surprised? Are we yeah. surprised that, you know, our, our tourist industry is making money out of tourism when we have big tourist no. events? Should that be a surprise? Is it a bad thing? Doesn't seem to me like a bad thing I actually like it, he used to be an LBC presenter
0: Did he? he, he used to, yes, oh yes, he used to do a, a show on here and uh, I used to follow him, so I used to do my handovers with him. I just think, how exciting is this? He was actually quite good. And I bet you didn't pay £11,000 for the privilege of I that. didn't pay £11,000. He has just profiteered because he's just emptied the loft, I think, at Althrop, and they've discovered all sorts of things, which I think raised about over a million pounds. They found some carriages and all sorts of strange things.
1: Well, the people always kind of, they chuck in his, his value, don't they? You know, he's worth £120 million. Well, he's not. His house is worth that. Yeah. He's not going to sell he, it, is he? No. And he, so, wouldn't,
0: he, he wouldn't be able to sell it. It would be in a... Held in a trust fund. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's only
1: fair that we expect these people to make money out of situations in which they are prominent characters. And this, actually, to a tourist, sounds like a cracking deal. Watch the procession from a terrace overlooking the mall, followed by drinks at Kensington Palace. Nice. On Sunday, you travel to the Spencer Estate at orthorpe for a private lunch, hosted by the Earl. I mean, for a rich American, that's that's a good it's holiday it's to Britain, to isn't reason. it? It's peanuts. Yeah.
0: You get that, and we, we had dinner with an Earl, and it was Diana's brother. Yeah, yeah. That's Although, a cool story. Enough, that's worth it. It is. It, he actually gives a minimum annual donation of £10,000 to the Diana Memorial Fund. The turnover has reached £1.7 in some years. So it's a bit like, you know, we'll stick a bit of money over there. But uh, why shouldn't he capitalise on it, for goodness sake? I couldn't care less. That's how these, these people keep their, their piles. And we, we like the Royal Wedding. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, we're all going to benefit. If yeah. you run a, if you run any industry that's dependent on tourism, we're all going to benefit yes. from both the Royal Wedding and the Olympics. Yeah. And we shouldn't be snooty about other people doing the same. No,
0: absolutely not. I totally agree. Totally agree. Oh, dear uh, dear I don't Beckels- like agreeing with you, Steve. It oh, no, It's, well, it's very poor radio. Uh, I, have to,
1: I might disagree on the next point, just for the point of it.
0: All right. You know Hab- Haberdasher Asks, the school?
1: I hate it. Do you? No, I don't. I'm just trying to disagree with okay, you. OK, fine,
0: that's no, uh, Well, the Beckhams are sending, apparently, two of the boys there. Oh, really? But, but to, to stop them having to drive, according to the papers, they're going to helicopter the boys in.
1: Well, that's going to make them really popular, isn't it, at school? Now, that's an interesting one, because under normal circumstances, that would make you incredibly unpopular nerdy yes. and outcast. On the, the other hand, you're David Beckham's child. That makes you quite cool. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a happy medium <laughs> as a result.
0: Oh, I don't know. I've thought about that. Apparently, it takes an hour in the car, ten minutes in a helicopter
1: that's a good commute
0: yeah i'm thinking though helicopter up in the air nothing between you and the ground yeah and i'm thinking car on the ground much safer
1: yeah can get very busy around there though can't it people queuing up the m1
0: yeah i don't know i yeah. don't spend a lot of if time you can, around if there. you can avoid it it's Hampshire, best, isn't it
1: that's actually up the road from where my folks live yeah oh
0: god well there's a surprise <laughs> there's i have been past their there and palace a few times yeah it's, it's it's quite nice except the entrance to it is very cheap and vulgar Really? Yes, he's got horrible bricks. They've used these... Oh, oof. And you can see through in the winter to the house. It's only in summer when all the trees have grown up, you can't see. I hope
1: you're not suggesting that the Beckhams are in some way chintzy or cheap or lacking in taste, Steve.
0: They are in their entrance, yes. <laughs> very cheap and horrible. I think they've actually been trying to sell Beckenham Palace. I thought they were, they'd actually been told to cut back.
1: Yeah, well, they cut staff, didn't they? Was the story yeah. that was in the tabloids a few months well, ago? I did the same, we all did it. Yeah, well, well, to pay for their kids to go to haberdashers, I guess. You know, David's got to count the pennies Haberdash? these days, hasn't he? Do you have to pay to go. You do have to pay to go. Oh, do you? I think it's. Uh, yeah, it is pretty expensive. I mean, I'm guessing, but it's somewhere in the region of twelve grand a year or something. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Blimey. Yeah. Hope it's worth it. It's worst best school in the country, apparently. Is it? Yeah. It's always on the know. top of the league tables, but I just, I think the kids that come out of there, they're a bit arsey. Oh, are they? I wouldn't really want to send my children there. That I do think. This morning, well, I've used it now. No, it's too late. If I apologise for it really? now, I'll just say uh, it again, and that would be wrong.
0: Are they, are they? Well, I don't know. We have a couple of, We have a school in Kingston where you can spot the boys from there, and you can spot the families they come from because there's something about boys of a certain age with sort of floppy hair that makes them not look like they have wandered off the local council estate. Yeah. There's a completely different. You can spot all the different schools. Not oh. even with the uniforms on, you could just tell by looking at kids who go to Eton and places like that that they come from those sort of families. Well, it's
1: interesting. that The sort of cultural contribution oh, of haberdashes mm. is, go on, what, have you so got I something to I do? take a very, very quick break. Fair enough. I completely forgot about yeah, it. I'll enlighten you on that after the break. Thank you.
0: <laughs> with a travel, Craig Birchill. Hello,
1: Steve, in a building fire next to Shoreditch High Street. Is quite- it's 11 minutes to
0: uh, nine. You've got uh, one hour, 11 minutes to have a go for the Sony via laptop. Don't forget the LBC Travel Show with Simon Calder this afternoon from one until three. As the full horror of events in Japan unfolds, Simon will bring you the latest on the airlift from Tokyo while you have your say about when tourists might venture back. And wherever you're heading, you have the chance to tap into decades of travel experience. You'll be thrilled with that line. <laughs> the travel show with Simon Calder this afternoon from one. You're on LBC 97.3. Don't forget Ian Payne from nine o'clock in uh, ten minutes time until one for a special Libya programme with LBC's political correspondent Tom Cheel joining him in the studio. Um... I never understand people who sort of make things up. There's a, a story in the paper today in the Sunday Mirror about a girlfriend of Luke Stringer. And she said she had cancer. So he raised £4,500 for her. She ran off with the money. Didn't have cancer at all. She just made it up. And you see this more and more in the paper, of people pretending they've got a serious illness. And yeah. um, she's also been claiming benefits and everything else for eight and a half pounds And you think, what's the matter with these stupid people?
1: I did see a really fascinating documentary about that once I can't remember the exact circumstances but someone had actually convinced themselves I think it was leukemia, that they had leukemia and it originally started as a scam like that and they'd actually, they, were, they, they, they had a psychologist on that had attributed it to a mental disorder in which the person convinces themselves that they have this thing because they're living such an audacious lie um, and she was you know, shaving her head and you know, yes, losing yes, weight and all yes. that kind of stuff to, to fake it um, yeah, pretty re- re- depressing, horrible thing to do. But yeah, Damn. fascinating stuff.
0: Never mind. I say everybody quite pleased that uh, poor old Jeff Brazier has been kicked out of Dancing on Ice. A dullard, Kevin O'Sullivan calls him. He says, "Farewell, Jeffo. You were bottom of the props, overshadowed by a table and a chair because <laughs> he fell over it." I mean, it really, to be honest with you, claim to fame went out with Jade Goody, and that was the extent of it. I'm afraid we've seen enough of you. You've had your five minutes. Now go back inside. And stay there, please.
1: I think he seems like quite a nice man, Jeff Crozier. Oh, Sorry, I'm
0: not saying that Third-rate he... numpties. They turn up on the television, as they say, a TV presenter nobody's ever heard of just kids' programmes, Richard and Judy's little girl, the convicted drink driver, and a few other stupid people. Where are the celebrities? Where are the celebrities?
1: Well, what you're kind of saying is, where's the glamour, though, isn't it? No, because it, these people are known, yeah, but they're tabloid figures, aren't they? They're in the people every week. Yeah, but that, that's you know that's of no interest to
0: anybody in this country. They don't actually have a claim to fame, and then surprising them, and they get dropped or something. They go, "Well, wait a minute, I'm a celebrity," and you go, "No, you're not." But you're it's a very because a because favorite.
1: they get treated as celebrities, Steve. That's why everywhere they go, they've got people around them who throw money at them and say that what they say is right, and that's yeah. after a while that becomes the definition of celebrity, not any particular talent in the first place yes we're very well down this road now aren't we i think it's too late to turn around we've been living with this for 10 years now i
0: blame richard desmond i'm afraid for bringing his third-rate people who turn up on dreadful programs awful 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 awful. perhaps it'll turn around but i don't think we've got any celebrities in this country
1: yeah you didn't get an offer to do ok tv then
0: no i I wouldn't (laughs) appear on channel 5 if my life depended on it i've never seen two such appalling presenters he is the worst presenter. She was the one who successfully reduced the last programme to practically zero rating. And so because Denise Van, I'll never work with Richard Desmond again, Alton walked out within one day of it. You've got Kate Walsh back in because there's nobody else.
1: I'm sorry to be standing up for these third-rate people in your <laughs> view, but I actually think she's quite good as well, Steve. What,
0: Katie Walsh? Yeah, I think oh, she's all right. dear me. She's very pretty. Oh, uh, are we watching the same programme? <laughs> Dear Lord, your Sorry. standards must be very low. That must very be Very low. <laughs> uh, right, uh, what else in there? Oh, we've got all sorts of questions which are coming in, actually. Uh, about um, the one here, regarding the story about the lottery in the US. Oh, yeah. The US syndicate who printed off every possible number combination. If there was more than one winner, you're guaranteed to lose. Yes, we pointed that out, Fergal. Obviously, didn't hear that bit of it. That, that, that is the downside, that if somebody else has the same combination then you, uh, You've
1: wasted your 75 million dollars. You've wasted 75 million, yeah, Which yeah. is a big risk, isn't it?
0: It is a little
1: bit, yes. Yeah. a little bit of a massive risk.
0: <laughs> yes, it is a little bit. <laughs> uh, also, uh, listening to your show and heard somebody complaining about a woman parking in a disabled badge area in a blue Mercedes. I didn't say it was a blue Mercedes, so I don't know what you're hearing, Louise. And going shopping with a daughter. Well, I've got a blue Mercedes, however, my daughter has a cute limb, for whatever it is. And uh, she's only nine. No, this woman wasn't nine, I'm afraid. And she said, I don't use my badge all the time, and when there's no one near to park, then I use the badge. Yes, but you, you can only use the badge if you're entitled to use it. These two people were perfectly able-bodied, and, uh, and we're using it fraudulently, so there we go. Okay.
1: Right. Holiday to Portugal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Would you fancy a week on a Portuguese beach watching Phantom of the Opera? That's a weird combination, a isn't on it? a
0: Portuguese beach... Watching Phantom of the
1: Opera. Yeah, well, just pull that through your brain for a bit. Where this is, is the th-
0: Phantom being done?
1: This is the, the uh, plan by the Algarve nations to revive Portugal. It's in trouble, of course. It's uh, pending a, a bailout from the IMF. People are fearing. Uh, so their solution. Fair enough, they do do beaches very well in Portugal. Yes. Uh, their solution is to kind of mimic the um, festivals, you know, that go on in Portugal and Spain, where lots of young people go and, you know, watch uh, <laughs> Lily Allen or whatever, uh, to uh, go and basically attract a kind of senior pound oh, yeah. uh, Brits who might want to go and watch uh, Jesus Christ Superstar in Avita uh, and Morchiba, which seems like a weird combination, uh, on the beach. And this is oh, a I new like music festival that's happened. There you go. Well, yes. maybe this is for you then. Oh, right. Show tunes plus Morchiba plus sunshine. That's Fancy right. that, yeah, yeah, yeah Contribute to the Portuguese yeah. economy with that
0: Yes I'm not wild about sitting on a beach But yeah. I don't do beach holidays No I'm a bit uh, No, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll sit in a hotel room on a balcony and wave Or something like that
1: I've se- I've seen those, uh, and once you've seen them, they're, they're burned on your retinas, and I can't get rid of them. I've seen those images of you. Is it in Miami, on the LBC website? Miami, I just think so. Was it Miami? Was it LA? No, no, no. Venice Beach, wasn't it? I have been on Venice Beach, I yes. think it was you holding a thong. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. so. So now when you're talking about yourself on holiday, that's the image that I've got right there. Yes,
0: we did actually walk to Venice Beach. We were actually staying in Santa Monica, which was very nice. Very plush. But we did walk up to uh, Venice Beach, which is this druggy area. Yeah. Where they've got all these free herbal remedies here and what they're doing is selling you drugs yes and it's really run down and horrible and you wouldn't want to eat at any of the places there because it just look unhygienic
1: it's kind of brilliant though that place though isn't it well, i mean it's kind of exciting it's all
0: been done up that sort of muscle beach bit so amanda and i were sort of walking along there and we we're having pictures taken uh, but the rest of it just look a bit sad and faded
1: well it's kind of it's basically like camden isn't it it's, it's, it, it's yes. that it's yes. something that was cool 20 years ago that still has an edge that's yeah. also kind of you know, like Camden has the lock, I guess. Venice Beach has an actual beach, which kind of just gives it a little bit more...
0: Yes, you're right, it is like Camden. Clumber. It's a lot of people selling joysticks and yeah. light bulbs and yeah. stuff like that. and T-shirts that have... If like that, you can get tattoos done. Yeah. i always fancied having a tattoo done in Camden, but I just don't like the area.
1: Have you got any tattoos?
0: me yeah no sorry i'm just
1: i was just fascinated by that well i
0: I thought about having a tattoo because i keep (laughs) looking at the beckhams and and as he's rapidly sort of working himself around to be trailer trash of the year yeah he couldn't have any more tattoos and then i saw somebody on the housewives of orange county who uh had their son had something tattooed inside of his lip and these are people purporting to be classy they're not classy at all they're just really cheap, vile people. And, and the mother burst into tears because they're all bleach blonde and teeth and all the rest of it. They're all most peculiar in America.
1: Yeah, I bet you wouldn't catch him watching Phantom of the Opera on a beach no, in Portugal. No, absolutely not. No, no Different but he would be people, driving a sort he?
0: of, you know, a red Stingray Corvette or whatever it is. <laughs> and probably having more tattoos. Have you got any tattoos?
1: I haven't. I haven't. No, Although no. I, could, I, I, I quite like the idea of saying that I have. They hurt. Yeah, I just I, just, so, so I don't understand it, it's into, permanent. It's permanent, yeah. I just don't fancy doing anything permanent to there myself.
0: There was that poor 16-year-old girl in the paper the other week who went along and she had a tattoo done, and it said, tattooed on her back, 100% Welsh lamb. That's not bad, actually. Yeah. And her mother saw it because she fell off a horse. On well, the size of her, she looked like she was going to fall off a horse. And, of course, it's illegal to be tattooed at 16. Yeah. got to be 18. So she went round there and then she put it in the hands of the police. And the man who did the tattoo said, she lied, she told me she was 18 and produced this bit of paper. So, obviously, people want tattoos.
1: Sounds like a funny tattoo, but I, I, this is worth checking out on Google, listeners, if you've never seen it. There's a story in the sun a few years ago. There's a bloke who had an entire full English breakfast <laughs> tattooed on his bald head. That is the best tattoo I will ever see. And will ever be done.
0: No, the funniest one was the bloke who had something done in Chinese that it turned out they'd written something really rude yeah, yeah, and offensive yeah. about him. Yeah. Which I thought was even more funny. Sadly, no more time. Ollie, thank you very much. Do you know what? It's always a pleasure, Steve. I have such a laugh coming here. Thank you very much indeed, even though we disagree on a lot of things. <laughs> Ollie will be back with us in a few weeks' time. Uh, listen, shorter programme today. Don't forget you can uh, still have a go for the how low for the Sony Vio laptop. It lasts until ten o'clock this morning, so good luck for that. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to podcast. Uh, Ian Payne and the team will be joining you after the news at 9 o'clock this morning for a special programme on the situation in Libya. And Tom Cheel will be joining him in the studio. I wish you a pleasant Sunday.
1: This is a Ridgewall business announcement.
0: Don't let the-